Welcome back, folks, and other Ag Watchers. We've got a special guest, first-time guest this time uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, it's Mr. Dion Ciavola. He's actually, uh, I guess, the owner and uh, CEO. Is that your title, Dion, of Forex Sport? Yes. Um, 4X Sport, so um, a, a company that I'll let you do a bit of an introduction as to what the company does, but it's pretty much relating to um, currency transactions around the world if you need your currency uh, moved around. Dion is there to assist. So um, Dion and I uh, used to work together, of course. Andrew's, Andrew knows that story. Um, but I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple of seconds just to quickly run uh, the listeners through who you are and what you do, and uh, then we'll get stuck into it. Thank you, Matthew and Andrew, uh, for the opportunity to come on today. Uh, yes, after leaving London and trading in London for ANZ, I decided to start up a business uh, initially to look after international sportsmen and their foreign exchange leagues. Um, that progressed to nearly 400 athletes um, and is a division of the company. We also have uh, another division called Forex Worldwide that looks after the general hedging and foreign exchange needs of corporates. So we look after quite an, um, a cross-section of different people, um, but all to do with the basis of, of foreign exchange. Yeah, so, so moving, uh, if you've got a, an invoice, so, so to speak, overseas, you help uh, the yes. relevant businesses pay that invoice in the foreign currency. Correct. Correct. Yep. No problem. So now before we start in, we do a little quick uh, word association game, uh, which is where we just fire a couple of um, a word or a phrase at you and we want you to come back with the first thing that comes into your mind. We call it the sixth sense. Uh, so we'll fire six uh, six kind of uh, words and, and you just kind of spit back whatever, whatever comes to your mind. Andrew, did you want to go first? Yeah. Inflation. Strong. Aussie dollar. Controlled by China. <laughs> Working with Matt. Um, different. <laughs> I'll agree. <laughs> uh, black black pudding. Uh, not for me. Crocs. Uh, I don't wear them either. Don't you? I would have thought, given your or anyone that knows you, Dion, um, we should probably we should probably say at the outset that that obviously Dion and I worked together for many years at ANZ in the currency market. Yes. Um, so that's 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 that was the uh, the dig that Andrew just had about working with me. But um, how, how how long do you two work together for? Uh, we worked together for probably five years, but I sat next to him for probably two. <laughs> so 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 we both probably experienced the same. About five, five years, six years of working. Actually, Andrew, I should say I probably covered for him for two years. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What are you referring to? Cover for? <laughs> There's a couple of days that we worked the afternoon shift where Matt sort of had uh, an opportunity to go to the pub at about three and then in turn uh, had a few beers and then went home from the pub without actually <laughs> stepping foot in the, in, the, uh, in the building. So that's... I reckon that's, uh, that's, that should be the topic of the conversation because that's the one thing we've got in common is we both work with Matt. We, we can sling some shit at him for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm starting to regret actually asking you to come on, but it has been a fortuitous time getting you on, Dion, because as Andrew mentioned, inflation, we've had the inflation numbers come out today for Australia. And they, I think the market was looking at something like a 4.5% CPI annually, and it's come up in, what, a 5.1? Correct. 
and a lot of that um, has been obviously the the supply chain issues and the um, you know food inflation has been a big one. And but diesel, you know, price of fuel and all that kind of stuff. Is it what was the reaction uh, that the Aussie dollar took when those numbers came out? Well, it actually went up. Um, it went up on the back of um, obviously the, that a subsequent uh, effect of high inflation or the high number was that interest rates will rise probably next quarter, next month. And there's a possibility that for the rest of the year, we will get a increase in interest rates for the rest of the year. So yeah, we're, we're moving. Yeah. We're moving into a increase, yeah. a, a interest rate hike cycle, but Correct. there was some, there was some uh, kind of discussion around RBA. I mean, RBA has been a bit slow uh, is what the view is. I think from some that I've seen, so that they've been, you know, normally when the inflation rate or the CPI is between two to three percent, so above three percent means they should be coming in and increasing interest rates to try and combat um, that higher inflationary pressures. Um, but they've been a bit slow to react, and with an election coming up, there's some suggestion that they've been slow to react because they don't want to um, increase interest rates in the lead up to an election. But looks like they're going to have to, doesn't it? Well, exactly. Uh, there's been um, a a objective of the government to provide stimulus to the economy due to the effects of COVID. Now, some may argue, including me, that they've probably gone over the top there and um, it hasn't necessarily got to the people that really needed the money, but it's also helped out a lot of industries, people that have not been really affected. has done basically is put all this cash into the economy um, where... Before COVID, a person couldn't afford a $1 million holiday home, but now they can afford a $2 million holiday home. And that just, to me, doesn't make sense. So for me, the signs are that the inflation that has come because of this and the higher interest rates that are coming, I believe that the cash rate will be at 3.5 before the end of next year. And the lending rate, which consumers like myself lend at, will be at over 5%. And that surely has got to put some mortgage stress on a lot of people. So that, that forecast for what you're just saying there in terms of the interest rate forecast, um, the cash rate you referred to there at 3.5%, yes. looking, at, looking at where the market's projecting, I haven't seen what the moves have happened today since, um, you know, since the CPI announcement, but certainly as of yesterday, the market was saying about 3.5% by the middle of next year, but you're saying that looks like it's going to come earlier now in your view. Oh, definitely. I think it'll definitely come. I think that we'll see 2% by the end of this year. Um, the, you know, from a, a government perspective, the only way that really works to stop inflation is by raising interest rates. And what, what, what about... Yeah. What people don't understand, particularly in Australia, the general punter is that we haven't got the borrowing capabilities to sustain all of our borrowing internally or in Australia. So we actually go offshore to do a lot of our lending. Yeah, you mean, you mean you're talking about the corporate side, not necessarily the, the residential borrower. So you're well, saying, both, yeah. both, but yeah, both of those. Um, but um, we do do... As a country, we do do a lot of lending off America, and America had inflation at um, last quarter that was the highest for 40 years. Mm. 
So it was um, rather uh, interesting to, to say the least that we haven't probably hiked before now. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to query you on, like obviously we've seen what the CPI has done. That's been a, now a catalyst to potentially bringing that rate hike from the RBA forward. I think the, the meeting is it next week or the week after? Yeah, it's early May, week. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the view is now that we're going to see a rate rise early May. Um, but wasn't the, view, of, wasn't the view before the last one that there was going to be a rate rise? Uh, it was going to be thinking, thinking it might come in June after. Yeah, the June, July. They were, talk, they were predicting that it may come in June, July. Yeah, so, so now there's really limited um, reasons as to why they don't raise in May. If they don't raise in May, there might be some serious questions asked around the independence activity of the RBA um, because it's an election. And I think there was, oh gosh, the last round of my election increased just the election, uh, potentially, you know, damaging to the government. Um, but just, just on the query, I was I, I your internet got a bit terrible there. Oh, uh, did it? Yeah. But anyway. I, I think Matt, the, 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 um, I think that it's not a it's not a question if we're going to hike next month. I think it's a um, a question of how much we'll hike. And some are saying that um, obviously they normally hike in 0.25. That I think that they might go 0.4 or even 0.5 next um, month um, to obviously try and give the economy a bit of a job. Um, that, but that that a point five would be a hell of a shock. I would have thought, um, you know. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm probably erring on the side of still a point two five, but we'll see. Um, so what so I was going to, I'm I'm just a, I'm just an ignorant grain analyst. I'm not one of these fancy FX traders or you know economists like you guys. But in terms of, so the purpose of an interest rate rise is to stifle demand, yeah. Because yeah. it reduces spending, yeah. Yes. So that's 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 pretty basic, yeah. How much of the inflation is supply-driven versus demand-driven, though? So if if you at the moment there's shared loads of problems getting anything supply-wise from China, we get everything from China. So you increase interest rates, which causes some some hurt, and and but it doesn't necessarily change inflation if it's supply-driven inflation. Because you still have to, you still got supply and demand in that you still have to pay a fortune for a Land Cruiser because you can't get one. You still have to pay a fortune for a pair of Crocs because you can't get them. Yeah, so they're, they're banking on you not buying a Land Rover. They're banking on you probably buying a Mitsubishi. Um, the, hmm. That was a good, a good question, Andrew, because that was exactly, you're saying you're not an economist, but um, that was exactly the question I was going to phrase I'm, today on. I'm, but it, I'm just a pig farmer. So, you know. But it is. I mean, you're right in the sense that there's a lot of there's a lot of supply side <clears throat> shocks that are causing um, inflation at the moment. And um, so, from an economic perspective, increasing interest rates isn't the best lever to pull. But it's probably the only one they've got at the moment. Well, the interesting one that I find the real conundrum is that they are talking about wage growth, and and the government is trying to create wa wage growth at the moment because we haven't had real wage growth now. Um, I would have thought that causing wage growth would be a contributing factor to inflation. Inflation. Yeah. Yeah. So for the government to stay there, you know, this is a diff difficult balancing act that the government's trying to create. They're trying to 
create on one hand wage growth, probably because we're going into an election and they want to promise that. And then at the same time, they're saying we, we've got this inflation. Well, wage growth is going to lead to inflation. And yes, we are in a supply chain inflation at this present time. Yes, that is that may be COVID driven. It may be um, concerns about geographical concerns about China, which we have at this present time. Um, but we are still still a commodity driven currency here, and most of the things that we get in return from China. We've probably sent there in a form, one form or another. Yeah, iron ore, a coal, whatnot. Exactly. So, so, the, so there's my my next question was: we're starting, we see a, saw a bit of a tick down in the Aussie dollar this week. Yeah, uh, that's so, largely been driven on the off the back of the, the commodities. Uh, US, no, US no. dollar strength. Yes, but you, yes, of the concerns. But you know, we, we've we've had um, the Aussie dollar go up on 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 the the, the war in the Ukraine. So, you know, it is the large move that has occurred in the last week has largely due, been due to the fact of um, China um, putting uh, lockdowns in place. So, so are we going to see a situation like the next couple of months that like China is going to be shut down for a while and the demand there? Are we, are we starting to see a bit of demand destruction already? Well, correct, you are. But um, the thing is that we believe, I believe that... Um, China will go into lockdown for some time and they will stop producing, but obviously will put China um, economic growth forecasts. They won't achieve their economic growth forecasts. However, with that economic um, downturn in China, you'll see less iron ore bought, you'll see less commodities bought out of Australia. Um, but at the other effect on the Aussie dollar is that we should, the interest rate differential between us and um, America, I think the curve should come back into play a little bit more because I think Australia will start to hike at a quicker rate than America will because they've already started to do it. Hmm. Well, that's, so, an, uh, that's an interesting uh, viewpoint that, because um, I mean, America's inflation, as you alluded to earlier, that the American inflation figure was record. Yes. Um, and so that, pro that, that kind of, you know, they've started to hike already. Um, but you're saying now that the, the, the speed at which Australia is going to hike will overtake the American situation, you reckon? I think so too. I think that will be very um, evident um, that we will do that and that will largely depend um, will depend on how much China is in lockdown and how much goods go up because um, there's just not as much supply out of, out of China for people. So you mentioned when, when, we'd, when we'd said in that 16th Aussie dollar and you, you, I think your phrase was controlled by China was, was what came to mind. Um, are, you, are you referring to some form of manipulation? or are you referring No, no, to I'm not. You're, you're, not you're, you're meaning no. more that we're, we're so, um, from a trade perspective, we're so ingrained in what happens with China that, that basically the Aussie moves according to what's happen, happening to the Chinese economy. Correct, so, correct. And that's been, if you have a look at the last three months, we, in, in times of war, the Aussie dollar has normally been sold off um, on the back of uncertainty. That's a, that's a risk, that's a risk, a risk thing that they, yes, sell, they sell the Aussie on risk, right? Which yeah, is what correct. we saw, what we saw in the GFC, what we saw through the Ukrainian conflict, what we've seen in other conflicts. Correct. But this time, what we saw um, when the conflict with Ukraine and Russia occurred is that um, commodity prices went through the roof and on the back of the commodity prices going through the roof, there was a demand for Aussie dollars and the Aussie dollars went from 70 cents to 75, 76 cents. 
since China slowed down this last week and we've got these inflation issues, the Aussie dollar is back down at 71.30 today. So, so China shut down, right? Mm. And so, so they're going to have the factories shut down for the next, let's, let's say three months, just as a, as a rough idea. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're not producing anything or producing minimal volumes of trinkets and whatever knickknacks they produce. But then that's going to cause a supply issue domestically in China for domestic supplies of trinkets and gadgets. But it's also going to cause a, a, a lack of supply in the rest of the world. Because there's, yeah. there's, So then that's going to be a contrib- contributor to inflationary pressure again upwards. I think you've got to look at it not from the trinket point of view. You've got to look at it from a growth in China point of view where they won't build as many apartments they won't build as many infrastructure projects they won't do all that they'll just build submarines and aircraft carriers and and build build ports in the solomon island yeah probably but you're looking at from that largest scale that their real demand for commodities are in that bigger type infrastructure projects that they've got in place um that may uh be put on hold or might not even happen so, um, so I'm going to ask you then now about, and I'm going to let me phrase the question before you jump in with the answer, because I know you're a little bit, you like to just kind of jump in quickly, you know, and um, yeah, I, I know, like I know, me again, Matthew. no, well, I was <laughs> going to say, I know, I know that you had um, some expert tuition in your early days. I mean, I wouldn't say now you require any tuition because you're an expert trader <laughs> of the currencies and a, and a very good predictor of where it's going. You must have had some um, superb training in your past, but um, now you mentioned about good actually. (laughs) And stop, stop, stop milking up, Matt, because because I taught you everything you know about agriculture. So (laughs) (laughs) over about a a couple of beers, only took a week, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So my question is actually around what it means to the Aussie dollar now. Who's how unprofessional? How unprofessional, Dion? <laughs> so we've got this situation, like you're saying, where <clears throat> the interest rate differential, um, and for those that aren't familiar, what I'm referring to there is the difference between the Australian dollar interest rate and the American interest rate. So you're saying that if we're going to go into a stage where we're going to be hiking at a quicker pace in America, that differential will widen out, and usually from a currency no, it will perspective, will be reduced because it's for the first time America's interest rates are higher than what we have. Right. Okay. So, the, so you're saying the differential is reducing. Correct. Ah, my, my understanding was you were, gonna, you were saying that we're going to now catch up and exceed them in terms. No, of no, quickly. I don't think. I just think that it'll be it will be reduced um, to a stage. And I think that um, we may we you may be correct that we may go past the curve may go past America, um, but I think that it's just going to be reduced. No, no, I, I, I misinterpreted what you said. Yeah, so, okay. so I thought you were saying that that's what we're going to happen. But you're you're basically saying that the differential is going to stay in America's favour, as in their the rate, the American rates are going to remain higher than the Australian rates, interest rates. We're talking, but, but and it's going to be reduced. Yep, yep. As in the yeah, gap so, will be so, reduced. So narrow the gap. Yes. yes. Yep. But does that mean? But does that mean that um, that narrowing of the gap will be favourable to the Aussie, or will the issues in China and what you're outlining in terms of the growth issues will that outweigh the narrowing of that gap and have the Aussie remain under pressure? Well, <laughs> you. That's the million-dollar question, isn't it, Matthew? I think that, um, well, look, you know, my comment about uh, us relying on China, I think that the biggest driver of the Aussie dollar now is China. 
hundred um, percent. Without, without any, um, without any questions, that's what happens. So yes, the interest rate um, differential will play a part in where the Aussie dollar goes, but it's not as big as where the Aussie dollar is going to go on the back of iron ore and commodities and things being sold to China. So, yeah. So and so, I mean, like my my personal view is that the Chinese, the, the developing situation in China and the potential for slowdown there. And also, if you go a bit further than that, the fact that the US yield curve has gone inverted in that further end, which generally speaking over the last, I think, eight times we've seen that, that's that's foreshadowed a US recession. Yes. So the potential for a US recession maybe into 2023, 24 uh, could be enough of a trigger, I think, to put a bit of quite a bit of pressure on the Aussie, I would have thought. I'd be, I, I'd be I, more I, likely to be bearish Aussie than bullish Aussie at this point in time. Yeah, I think that it's. Um, I put down one thing that I, I only wrote down one thing that I wanted to talk about tonight, and that is risk and reward, right? I think that obviously um, I, at this present situation, we talk about whether you're going to put on uh, what, what you think of the Aussie dollar. I actually think that you've got to sit on your hands a little bit because there's so much uncertainty going on that you really don't know what's going to happen um, because of those factors. Um I think um, domestically, domestically, you know, and that obviously has an effect on the Aussie dollar as well. I think domestically we're in some sort of trouble because of the government's um, last two years has injected all this money into the economy. I don't think that they have the ability nor the finances to be able to do that anymore. So should interest rates go up like we think they're going to go up and the economy turns, turns and starts to go bad a little bit, where are they going to get the money to actually prop up the economy? From a, from a, from a fiscal perspective, so, so making, yeah, kind of being able to uh, use budgetary policy to, to get our way out of an issue. Yeah? Correct. So, you know, we, we can't afford interest rates to go too high up in this country because if you have a look at 2010 um, in the GFC, housing prices in America became lower than... Um, what the actual home loan was. Yeah, yeah. so negative yeah, equity. Ne- negative equity, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so if we start raising rates really quickly and a person who's bought a $1.3 million home and only had $150,000 equity in their, in, their, in their bank, that house might go down to $900,000 and they've still got a $950,000 loan. Now, the government can't afford that to happen because you'll see people walking away from mortgages everywhere like they did in the GSC. So it's a very tight balancing act what they're going to do with how they're going to control inflation, how they're going to control interest rates, and certainly how they're going to control housing prices if, if, they, um, if they put all of the policies in place. Need to, well, increase, look- need to increase immigration then. Well, that's one thing, <laughs> and that's obviously stopped. And, you know, you, you, the interesting thing about um, this inflation thing is that I personally think that um, a large part of the inflation has been, uh, you know, I, I think there has been wage growth in certain industries, certainly in deliveries and um, the lower type jobs, there has been a real increase in wages. Currency but, traders, there's always, there's always wage growth in that sector. But, but, but in terms of, but you're, you're probably right, like in terms of the professional space, I don't think the wage growth, growth no. has been as high because they're no. still doing the same job and yeah. don't, yeah, I think you're probably right. I, I, 
look, I, you you have a look at you know and and the builders and things like that. They, they've certainly had wage increases over the last year. Um, but saying all that, we are still who you know. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw this, and I don't probably want to go into this too much, but. Um, the concerns are, as um, Donald Trump's interview just last night, that if we, if there's ever a, a risk of nuclear uh, warfare, you would think that the Aussie dollar would be would be get absolutely belted, um, to the low, you know, into the sixty low sixty area. Matt, I'd probably yep. say, but potentially had... potentially even lower than that. Yeah, if it was if it was a Fed Ingham threat, you know. No, I think that that's right. But then you probably then you've got other things at place where you, you probably don't, give a, mon- you probably, probably probably don't give a monkeys about FX at that point. No, no probably, not probably, really. Probably more thinking about better watch that Mad Max to get some tips. Yeah. 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 Oh, look, <laughs> yeah, probably not going to happen here. But it, yeah, anyway. Um, but look, there, it doesn't actually, um, you know, it doesn't actually have to happen. And just the talk of it should push the Aussie dollar down, shouldn't it? Mm. Mm, yeah, the uh, risk, the, the the added risk kind of factor there. Exactly. What so, um one thing I want to ask you about, and this is like we've touched on it a little bit already in regards to that supply side issue driving this inflation. We've talked a little bit about the prospect of a U.S. recession, um, a, a slowdown in China uh, in terms of economic slowdown, um, and and the government having limited options with which to stimulate an economy post an interest rate increasing cycle. Um, it's starting to sound a little bit like the 1970s kind of um, stagflationary episodes. Correct. Is that is that a, a fair decimum risk? I know, yep. a- Andrew, we had on, um, prior to all this inflationary stuff, we had on Stephen Kukulis, a, a fairly well-known economist, a little while back and I asked him the same question, is stagflation an issue? And he said it, it kind of has been discussed, but it hasn't really been rearing its head too much. But I wonder now if that circumstance is changing and people are starting to be concerned about um is that being discussed in financial markets, the prospect oh, of, a st- of a stagflation event? Not really, but I think that there is some concern about that. My, just to, just, to, just yeah. to, we wanted to clarify, because you and I know what stagflation is, Andrew probably does as well, but some people, it's, it's a period in time where you get increasing prices and inflationary pressures at the same time as having um, high unemployment and, and low growth, which is a fairly um, uncharacteristic scenario. Normally you have high employment, you know, high growth and the demand is what's fueling the inflation and therefore you increase interest rates to just kind of slow the economy down. But in this instance, um, being a supply side shock mainly, um, you can get into this kind of cycle of high inflation pressures, high interest rates and low growth economically, low employment, low demand. And it's really hard to um, for, a, for, for a government to get their way out of it. Usually what they have to do is, um, is stimulate the economy by spending more money, and that's what you, your concern and that's, was. And yeah. That's, yeah. So an interesting thing on that, on that stagflation thing, is that if you historically, I've only been in the market really since I left school in 1992, and um, obviously we had a a major downturn in the economy in 1989. We had a small one in 2000. Um, and then we had the GFC in 2010. We, we sailed through the GFC, though, really, from, a, from an Australian economy. From an Australian point of view, yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, but not on a global, that, not on a global no. scale, right? Yeah. So if you have a look at it, and I'm, not, I'm talking more globally here, mm. if you have a look at that, we had a downturn when COVID came. The share market went, came off relative, but bounced back very quickly. I believe that if you look at historically that every 10 to 12 years we've had a really downturn, maybe that downturn in the economy on a global scale is about to happen. 
Is it the recession we have to have, you think? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that. It's probably the recession we have to have if blokes like you want to buy a holiday house. Um, but um, I think that if you look at the last 30 to 40 years, I think there's some real warning signs that we may go into a, a deep trough Um like we did in 89, like we did in small in 2000s and 2010, but for different reasons than we saw in those times. Hmm. You're not agreeing with that? No, I, no, I'm, I, I uh, just wanted to pause for the sobering effect of what you were saying there. Matt, Matt's just Matt's just counting his money up to, to work, out <laughs> how many, how, Matt, work out how many houses he can buy. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> yeah that may, you, that may, um, um, you may think that uh, that is a negative point of view, uh, and it ha- it probably is. It's a, but, it's, but it's a potential but realistic it's point a, of view. From um from a from a from a we could have a lot of farmers, of course, and agricultural people that listen to the podcast. Um, from a from a kind of ag and a commodity perspective, though those um those times where we go into an inflationary cycle, often um it's the real asset type things like farms and like you know things that are producing something of actual value like food and fiber and, and uh, those kind of products. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're in a reasonably good um, position, okay. right? That, you know, providing they're not too um, leveraged up with loans, if we get really high. But I don't, I yeah. don't look, I don't think we're going to see super, we're not going to see interest rates like we did back in the you know, 80s and that where it was you know, a cash rate of 16 or 70%. It, it, we're not talking that. We're talking, you know, two or three percentage points above where we are now. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think that, I think it would probably top out at probably six and a half to seven percent. You, you talk that you're talking the borrowing rate, there, borrowing not the cash rate. rate. No, the cash yeah. rate should be cash rate should be five, five and a half. But but anything above six, what what you're coming back to earlier on would would leave foreclosures all over the place. Mate, I, I heard a I heard a podcast the other day. Rightly or wrongly, I'm just I don't know if this is correct, but um, they said that twenty percent of um, house owners would go into mortgage stress if we went up fifty basis points, right now. So, hmm. so that's half. That's half a percent. Fifty basis Correct. points for the, for yeah. those that yeah. just trying to cut through the Sorry. market terminology. Just just yeah. to let the, the listeners know what um, what fifty basis points is half a percent. So, so, so do you say half of houses? No, twenty percent. Twenty percent. If we went up half a percent. Now, I'm, I, I I said before. That I thought there was a possibility that we may go um, half a percent very quickly. Yeah. Right. So. The but then, what you're talking about? What you're talking about there? Just before we go off that topic, though. Well, you're, because... you're talking the worst of both worlds. You're talking inflationary pressure on cost of living, plus interest rate rises, which is obviously another cost of living, which would 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 yeah, you probably it would it would cause that mortgage stress to come quicker. What, well, what you might be what you might be talking about though is a is it's a distribution of wealth there because that twenty percent you're saying that could go very quickly into mortgage stress but I think there's also a fair degree of people through COVID that because they weren't spending as much because they were working from home and they weren't able to go overseas and spend fifty grand on a holiday there, there are some that have got a mortgage that are actually ahead of their repayments I think there's another twenty or thirty percent of the maybe people that are a little bit better off. Are ahead, and and, and 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 there's some that don't have debts at all, right? And, and, talk, and, and talking about distributions as well, I can bet out of those twenty percent, the majority of them are going to be first home buyers, mm. and they're going to be sub forty years old. 
Yeah. And buyers yeah. that bought purchased their house in the last two years because we've yeah. seen massive. So, so, so they go into strife, those houses get crunched and someone that's got cash comes along and picks up a bargain. Correct. And you would think that the, you would think that historically that um, holiday houses would be the first one to go. Right, right. So, so, so Lawn, Apollo Bay, uh, where else is in an hour's distance from us, Matt? So, so quickly sell your holiday house and buy a real asset like a pig farm. That's the, that's the advice. That we should be giving out, Andrew? It should be, yeah. Uh, so I had a question. I, I just had the one question on my on my on my thing today. Sterling. UK. <laughs> um, well more more specifically, know. what he what he really wants to know about is where the Aussie sterling's going. Yeah. Because it, well, if, if you can it, ever if you can ever 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 predict what a nation's going to do when they vote to get out of Brexit, but then you're you're probably smarter than what everyone else is because the problem with the UK is now that they're out. Oh, I don't think we've seen the total effects of their exit as yet. Right? Yeah, in terms of economic impact. Correct. Mm, I agree. I don't think yep. you've seen the true effects of that. So I was always a, a, a novice when um, regarding the sterling Aussie and the um, sterling Kiwi rate, why the sterling was valued at so much, right? And and all I could gather was there was a lot of large corporations mm. that had based themselves in the UK that had to patri- repatriate their earnings. A lot of those bigger type companies have moved out of the UK now because of Brexit. So there's not going to be as much repatriation. I wouldn't have thought there is going to be as much repatriation to actually um, bolster the, the quid. Yeah, because look, looking at it, it's gone in the last month or so, it's gone from 53 to 57. Yeah. Which is, which is good in my favour. Yeah. Uh, so, so you reckon a weaker, a weaker sterling? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think and the, and the sterling will will go down uh, to a, a greater magnitude than the Aussie weakness might be. Well, right? so, that's 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 probably so. We, you know, that's the that's the big question. Which one's going to be more weak from mm. from an Andrew from an Andrew Whitelaw perspective? He just needs the. I, I, I just want you to tell me it's going to parity. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we won't be doing that. We won't be doing that. Confirmation bias. There's still enough big big organisations based in the UK. Um, and they've got a pretty big economy for it. I think historically, yeah. historically, an Aussie Aussie sterling rate of 0. 0.6 or 0. 0.65 is pretty pretty. That's high. That's high. That's very, yeah. very high, right? And we're well, that, was, that, that was 2012. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're, we're yeah. The high, I think we're close to the highest in the last five years. Yeah, yeah. So. The one, the, if you want to talk currency, the the and this is um, Matt might um, shake his head at this and me talking about it, but if you've had a look at dollar yen. Which is a real big precursor to interest rates. You're so, referring to US dollar now. US dollar yeah, against US the dollar Japanese, to Japanese yen. Japan yeah. has historically, over the last 25 years, not had any interest rates. Right? They don't provide any interest rates on their money. A lot longer than Europe and and other countries. So you've seen the dollar yen raise from basically 102 to 130. And we're at the highs of the last 25 to 30 years in the, in the dollar yen, which basically means interest rates are going up in America because the dollar, the US dollar is strengthening and the yen, which doesn't move, is getting a lot weaker. Right? So 
that that warning sign about interest rates started to come into play probably 10, 11 months ago when the when the yen started to weaken and the US dollar started to get stronger against the yen. So for me, for me, we are going to go into uncharted waters with the interest rate differential between because of inflation in America, and that will flow onto Australia. And you'll see other countries such as Japan and other countries that have lower interest rates, maybe the euro as well, you will see their, their currencies get a lot weaker. Which which can which can um, cause inflationary pressures as well. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But you would also like to think that um, when those economies do become cheaper, that um, you may be able to purchase things from Japan at a relatively good price. I know... Like, I know, cheaper, like cheaper to our land cruises, Andrew. Yeah. No, so, no, no. yeah. Interesting to say that because when the euro was under some real pressure and the Aussie dollar to the euro was around 78, 80, I had a lot of farmers buying uh, farming equipment out of Europe because it was cheap, cheaper on the currency. Yeah. Right? So um, they started at at 78, 80 cents. um, They started moving some money um, at those levels and buying things. When the Aussie dollar was around... 85 90 cents i had a lot of um customers buying boats out of out of america because they became cheaper so you'll see you will see if the jet if the yen completely c- continues to weaken um that some of their goods will become a more attractive alternative than other places in the world that haven't haven't weakened you mentioned before as well dan just uh, this is a bit of a what we call a Hoiberg tangent because you're talking about some of the flows you see there at um, FX Sport, Forex Sport, I should say. Um, you mentioned about how the, the business was set up originally to, to, to handle currency trading for sports people. Uh, what, how, do you, what's, what's, how does that work? You've got, well, you... You got sports people that are currency trading? What, no, 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 no. So a sportsman, an international sportsman, we're not talking about just the AFL type that you love so dearly, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, when Dion first worked for me, I banned him from I banned him from coming in on a Monday morning and talking about AFL because it used to drive me insane. It, did, it didn't stop him; he kept coming, coming anyway. But um, he does know that I'm not a fan of the uh, Australian rules football game. That's correct. Handball. So we we have a lot of uh, rugby players earning money <clears throat> in Europe. We have a lot of uh, cricket is going to the IPL in India and earning US dollars. We have a lot of cyclists in Europe. We have a lot of golfers in America and Europe. And we largely repatriate their funds back to Australia for them. So when they win, when they win like a t- tennis tournament or something in you know, America and win at 500,000 yep. US dollars, yes. then you, you kind of change it over back into their Australian dollar account. So that's the link Correct. there. Mm. Correct. So we um, would do... Uh, it, it might not sound a lot, but we'd probably do 250 to $300 million um, a year in sportsman um, business. Obviously, our corporate business is um, a lot greater than that. Um, we're probably up around the $1.4, $1.5 of mark of, uh, of funds transfers. Um, for a smaller type organisation, it's still um, you, you, you see some flows. And, and you've got you said you've got some agricultural people that are in the mix as well. Yeah, we we do we do do some agricultural uh, people largely to do with their um, capital expenditure on on machinery, um, uh, largely largely 
uh, a lot of the agricultural people want to, uh, some of them would buy a machinery that may be three or four months away. So you do some hedging for them if they consider the rate, which um, you might like to explain would be through a forward mainly. Um, so they lock in a rate for a future date. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that so they don't if they if they've agreed to a figure price, yeah, you know, they, and they can lock in the Aussie dollar. Yeah, the machine yeah. the machine might not be available for three or six months or whatever the time yeah. frame is by the time it gets out here. But but they don't want to they don't want to have the machine the going more, more expensive. Yeah. Uh, because they're paying in US dollars or or Euro, euros euros or whatever. Yeah. We have a couple of big um, irrigation machinery providers here in Australia that need to repatriate their funds back to America. So uh, they sell the um, irrigation equipment. Um, so they're all the people that obviously um, it, the interesting thing in foreign exchange is that everyone's looking for the, for, the, for the right time to exchange. But if you're sending back money back to America, you want the Aussie dollar low. But if you're buying something overseas, you want the Aussie dollar high. So at both ends of the spectrum, you're probably getting different types of business. Look, I think mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting because like from, from an agricultural point of view, most people in agriculture, farmers especially, it's an export market, yeah? Yes. So everything is largely, most of our grain is exported, most of our meat is exported, all of our wool is exported. So so that declining dollar is, is pretty good for them overall. Whilst it, it, it costs them more for inputs, but it's more than compensated by that falling dollar. Like for every one cent fall in the Aussie dollar is worth about $9 a tonne for their grains which is mm. which is significant you know in the last in the last couple of weeks that's fairly fairly odd dollars and most and, of my experience in the agricultural industry most of, and you might be able to uh, um, have a different view but most of their prices are set in aussie dollars for most of the agricultures that i've dealt with you mean you years. mean in terms of if they deal yeah because they're dealing potentially with a local um yes. a local co- yeah in the grain space certainly they've got a local broker and a local accumulator so they, so they don't really see the profits if the Aussie dollar was to go down necessarily, uh, but, but they, they do and they don't. I guess yeah. they, they won't visibly see it, but because it makes us more competitive, and more it, makes, yeah. it, it makes the the, the, the the for instance the Chicago futures price increase, so their swap yeah. price increases in Aussie dollar terms. Yeah. So, so it does have an impact, uh, but they might not necessarily see that impact as a as a line item. Yeah. Mm. But it's just mm. in the background. It's in the background, effectively. So. It, it, allow, it allows the trader, the grain trader, to pay a bit more for that grain, right, because because of the Aussie dollar coming off, right? Or not. Or not, if it's going the other way, yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or it allows them to, 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 to participate in the overseas market at a, at a better price and not pass yeah. it on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, that depends on how informed the farmer is, I guess. Well, I think the thing that well, – the typical, the typical Aussie farmer uh, that we speak to wants uh, a higher Aussie dollar uh, in about February through to March when they buy their inputs and a low Aussie dollar by December. Well, I will say one thing for Matt and I who have been in financial markets and obviously foreign exchange trading for some time. Uh, it was pretty hard picking the market when you had everything in front of you. So maybe the farmer should just worry about producing and and, 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 and and we worry about the currencies. And, you know, I always said in the currency market that if you got it right probably six or seven times out of ten, you were doing a very, very good job. Isn't that funny? It's the same ratio that I talk about when I speak about in any market, to be yeah. honest with you, Dan, any commodity market, any kind yeah. of market, if you can get it right 60% of the time, you're doing real well. 
Yeah, um, and, I, and and you would make, um, and it goes back to that risk reward. You would make a lot of money if you got it right six or seven times out of ten. Mm. And it's not that easy because no, the, um, the market, the market, the market when the um, conflict in Ukraine. Um, um, happened. You saw a lot of people piling into the Aussie dollar, selling it on that risk, on that risk um, belief mm. that it'll go down, and um, <laughs> it just absorbed all of it. it kept and 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 pushed basically up five cents, which would have, which would have cost people a lot, a lot of money. What's that old saying? The market can stay illogical longer than you can stay solvent. Correct. <laughs> and, you know. So. Well, the market, the market, you know, um, you know, I don't know if I should say this, but we, I've seen some very big tickets go through in my time, um, and I'm talking um, billions of dollars. Um, uh, I was, you know, when we were working, um, billion dollar transactions could be bought in the Aussie dollar, and it wouldn't go, <laughs> it wouldn't go up. Uh, not one percent; it wouldn't go up 0.01 of a percent. So, even if you think you've got a lot of demand, there's there's normally there could be someone on the other way doing something a lot bigger. Mm. Some of those big flows were, were when Dion was working in London and sending back his bonuses back from uh, <laughs> converting them from pounds and into Australian dollars. Uh, yeah, you know, were, um, were were some fairly huge flows. I'm led to believe, but. Um, it's been a good chat. We've probably taken a fair bit of time, but I just want to quickly summarise then um, a couple of key ones. Aussie dollar more likely down than up is what we're saying. And uh, interest, interest rates more likely up uh, you know, fairly quickly. And, uh, um, I would say uh, there's two contributing factors in the Aussie dollar. One is I think China will – what happens in China will, will um, be greater than anything that happens in the um, – inflation and uh, interest rate market. So if we continue to see China in a lockdown and interest rates go berserk for the top side, I think the Aussie dollar will still come off. If China gets its act in the gear and interest rates keep going up, then we'll see the Aussie dollar a lot higher. Now, I think the key, um, what I would like to say about this present time is, there's no, the risk-reward appetite is not there at the moment. To, to, to either expand, I think it is a time to just with all the uncertainty in the world, whether that's war, whether that's interest rates, whether that's inflation, whether it's the problems in China, it's a time to sit on your hands and actually just have a look until we see um, better days or a more clearer day. So don't, so yeah, try and risk off approach. In a, in a boxing sense, um, cover up, cover up yeah, and yeah. Uh, protect well, yourself. In a, in a driving sense, don't drive in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think that's the one thing that I would like to um, pass on to your listeners is that we are in a real uncertain time. And um, it is, from my perspective, it is a wait and see what happens. Is Very good. Not, is that not good advice, Pat? Or no, um, no. I think no. I think it's, you know, it's, it's some it's, poor farmer out there that's just um, borrowed a couple of million dollars to build another big um, storage facility is probably think. I think that you know that's probably um, you know it's, it's already happened. But I think that um, going uh, full bore into something now and lending a lot of money is is probably. Um, had some concerns about it because of the risk of um, inflation and interest rates going a lot, lot higher. 
Yeah, so now now's the time to take a bit of breath and just wait, watch and see before you go well, out and do anything silly. The two-year fixed rate on, on home loans is now 3.5%, right? So it was which, down, which, which is still historically low anyway. No, very low. So, um, but it has been down, you know, towards that 1.7, 1.8 mark. You know, so very quickly, three months ago, it was down there. And then in three months' time, it's up there. So in another three months, what's going to happen then? And that's another thing that maybe you can talk to on another thing. What tools will they put in? What tools will the government put in place if higher interest rates can't control inflation? No, there's really only more higher interest rates, mate. That's all they've got. Yeah, and 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 then you could see a real, real, real fall in housing prices. So then you need to get immigration so you can increase demand sure. for housing. Well, you could do a few things. Just get every, get everyone from Scotland over. <laughs> so everyone's going to go away and see to that bloke from Forex Worldwide, Forex Sport. He's, geez, he's he's a doomsday person but i think that um uh the the, the cards are not in your favor at the moment it's, sorry it's still still more positive than john blackburn <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's all it's uh, the last few podcasts we've had a bit of doom and gloom so that's all right you're in good company, you're in good company uh, uh, yeah. well it's, but it's not it's not doom and gloom and it's not uh, i've had this argument with previous people is it's not negative it's just realistic and, and there's no point putting a positive spin on things that are negative. Mm. So, good chat, though. Mm. Well, is it what you're saying? That, what's that phrase? You can't polish a turd. We're just, we're just, you're just um, saying how it is. You just roll it in glitter. <laughs> Hang on. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Well, um, but, well I, Matt, Matt, it's probably a, a time now that you lob some of those eight. Holiday houses that you have around uh, uh, Victoria, coastal Victoria, and um, I, I sold them many years ago, mate. When uh, when I was concerned about coastal erosion and the, you know, the rising sea levels, that's, that's why yeah. he's in Ballarat because he's hoping to have a sea, a sea <laughs> home in fifty years. It's four, we're four hundred and fifty meters above sea level, so in another thirty years' time, you know, I'll just I'll be I'll be putting my yacht out off the front, you know, the when, when the sea levels are eighty meters higher. You know, that's how. Got to be thinking ahead, mate. Got to be thinking ahead. We work with a gentleman, Andrew, that used to go to auctions quite regularly during the uh, early 2000s. And he used to uh, come in and everyone would say, did you buy another house this week? And he'd probably go, yeah, I bought another one. And then I'd go, you'll be be eating those in a couple of of years. Well, he made more money out of property and he was only on one belief that property was going up than many a smart trader and many a smart salesperson. Um, I think um, I think this I think this podcast is just you know getting a bit too uh, too silly now. <laughs> All right, it's been you. it's been excellent. It's been excellent to have you on. Your insights were good. We might get you on uh, in another few months, maybe again to see how things are played out. Um, it'd be handy just to see, just to get a feel for what's going on in currencies and interest rates and inflation and whatnot. So. It's been excellent to. Well, we, we, um, to... we might not we might not be able to do it because I might be doing it from a tent because I can't pay my mortgage. You know, <laughs> you're right, might, I'll, be, I'll be doing it from Flinders Street Station in a cardboard box. I might, I might be able to, I might be able to let you use one of these multiple properties that I'm apparently got tucked away somewhere. <laughs> Thanks for your time, boys. I really appreciate it. And, right, uh, 
And uh, hopefully you come back to me in three months and uh, you go, gee, you're Nostradamus. Nostradamus. Um, <laughs> it's, been fan- it's been fantastic, Dion. Um, see you when you've got nothing on, mate. All right. Joe, Take care, Joe,